Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Well, each week, every Thursday, 1 to 2 p.m., as most of you know, but some of you newcomers do not know, we have a show each week where we interview business owners, usually a founder of a company or a startup or, or someone that can teach you something about business. Maybe it's a Facebook advertising program or SEO or something you know, how to correct the amount of inventory you have in your operation to be successful. But our goal is to make you successful by using other people's prior history, prior experiences, and to hopefully help you do what you can to be successful. And we meet every single week. Now, everybody has the, the show is called Ask Brian, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, and nobody understands why it's called Brian, and nobody understands why it's called Brian with an E, but we have a resident expert in E's. Her name is Tracy. Tracy, you there? <laughs> yes, I'm here. I've never been called You're a res- right. resident expert in E's before. That's I'm going to add that to my bio on LinkedIn. <laughs> well, you know that as an attorney, I'm always hiring expert witnesses. So in fact, I decided that you're an expert in E's on the Ask Brian Show. Well, I am an expert in ease. I'm going to own that, claim that, and I'm going to say that the very first expert in E that I want to introduce on this show today is our engineer because he has already been fabulous already today that you guys don't even know about behind the scenes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Can the engineer say who he is? Oh, this is well, Andrew. I was yeah. getting ready to uh, see, say see, that. See, Thank you very much. Knows. I'm the expert over here. Let me do my job. <laughs> what I what I was gonna say is our we have we have brought in the big guns today. We have Andrew in the studio with us today because Jennifer, who we love, is on vacay. So thanks, Andrew, for stepping in and, and bringing in the big guns. Now, now, oh, you're now one of our issues is empathy, and I'm not sure by saying bringing the big guns and flouting. Andrew, who's a great, great engineer, isn't kind of downgrading on Jen because Jen's oh a my great, great God. engineer. So I wouldn't say okay, bringing the big gun. Okay, okay. You know what? There's another. There's another. Okay, I can just tell this show is just gonna. It's just gonna be one of those shows. I'm just gonna have to. Have, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna have to take a deep breath. What I was doing was I was. Stroking Andrew's ego. That's an E that we have. <laughs> so thanks for blowing up my strategy. Appreciate that. But okay. nobody has a bigger ego than myself. Exactly. We know. Which is, an, That's which another, is another E. Exactly. E. And, ex- and exasperating is another E that I'm bringing in today, too. So don't give me an expert title unless you want me to overachieve, because now I've just added ego exasperating. (laughs) But let's get down to the real expert, which is we do have a phenomenal expert that we're going to be interviewing today. But when we look at experts, we follow the formula that is very well known and well respected around the idea that in order to be considered an expert in your industry niche, 
you really need to allocate and invest and spend a minimum of 10,000 hours working diligently within your field. And that, of course, equates of 50 so weeks a year, 40 hours a week. That spans over around a five-year window of time. However, we know and ourselves have proven we are social proof for it, as well as our experts that we have on the show that nobody who's starting and scaling a business usually works 40 hours a week. That's just unheard of. It's usually way more than that. So it's usually confined to more of like a three-year window of time. But our experts also provide a tremendous amount of education. And I think that's the foundation that the Ask Brian radio show is built on, is providing education for our entrepreneurs. Wow. Is that the only ease we have? No, 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 no. I've really just been saving this till the end because my eardrums have finally fully healed from last week. And that is over two weeks ago. We also have a tremendous amount of enthusiasm for what we do. And I know, Peter, you also have a tremendous amount of excitement. (laughs) Yes, yes, that that. Um, (laughs) And we would be remiss if we didn't bring up my favorite, but I'll let you bring that one up. (laughs) Well, they always say grease lightning is something. I forget what it means. Grease lightning is what? Grease lightning is electrifying, and so are we. (laughs) All right, Peter, let's bring on our fantastic expert today because we have a lot of really if she's still there, she might have said, what did Alex get me into? I'm getting off the phone right away. I'm going to call him up. I don't know what, where I am or what he's doing, but this is not what I thought. Anyway, <laughs> is Kat still there? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to not laugh out loud because I forgot to mute myself. <laughs> anyway. Oh, it's okay. You can, you can laugh out loud enough because it helps Peter's ego, which doesn't need any help. But anyway, it's still... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's good Love energy. It. There's the E word for you, Tracy. So that's good energy. We do. We do. Um, so, uh, Kat, I know you have this company. We're going to get into it very shortly. But before we get into the company that you were founder of, we wanted to know, what is your background? So prior to creating this company, give us a little bit of a brief summary of your business background. I had none. So <laughs> I was born. I had none. I was a consumer of alcohol. And I was born in Chile. <laughs> I was born in Chile and my family immigrated to this country when I was really young. And when I was about 12 years old, my father, well, there's four of us siblings, asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I said, I want to be a businesswoman and I want to go to school for business. And my dad said, no, none of my children, especially the girls, are going to go to school for business. But we're in the land of opportunity. You moved to the America, you know, United States of America so we could do this. I don't understand. And he said, you know, business is for selfish people and none of my children are going to go to school for business because I'm paying for school. And so even though I was really young and I knew what I wanted to do, I ended up going to school for psychology. Then I ended up hating it. And then I got a master's, an MPA, which was the closest thing to an MBA. And right after I got my master's is when I met Alex and interviewed for my very first startup at a business setting as an executive assistant. And I was home and I knew that's where I belonged was in the business setting. So you started out as an executive assistant. What other roles and jobs have you had? I did an executive assistant for a long time, and then I ended up moving out of the country. I taught English in Chile to explore my roots at one point, and then I ended up doing a little bit of 
business development along the way as well. But I was an EA for a while trying to really pay attention to how to run a business. And when I interviewed for that position with Alex and, and Steve Rizzone, I, I interviewed with Steve and he's looked at my resume. He's like, this is very colorful because I did a lot of things, right? Trying to figure out how am I going to start my business because I knew that was my deepest desire. I said, you know, I want to be your assistant because one day I'm going to be the CEO of my own company, but I need to work for one first. And I got the job and I paid attention to the marketing department. I paid attention to the sales department. I ended up eventually getting promoted into a marketing coordinator position with Alex and Steve. And so I paid attention to everything. I made the board agendas. I met the board. I mean, how to raise money, trying to figure out how this even works to start a business, right? That's the only experience I had was being an executive assistant, going into marketing. And then eventually I ended up being a, in business development for another small business. What was that business development for what company? It was called Inheriting Wisdom. They worked for, it was a small business in Chicago, which I ended up moving to where I live now. And basically the SFO, single family office space and multiple family office space. And they provided a lot of different roles and for psychology. It's funny enough, I worked with two doctors that were psychology. They were helping offer these services for single family offices and multifamily offices. Very interesting. It has nothing to do with what I'm doing. How, how did you come up with this idea? When I was working at, you know, active storage, with, I always go back to Alex and Steve because this is when that fire that I had inside of me for so long started burning so loudly. I started asking everybody, like, how did you find your big business idea? I would go to trade shows. I would just start asking all the questions to all these entrepreneurs that I met along the way. And how does one start a business when you have this crazy desire and have no direction? And everybody gave me the same answer. It said, you need to ask yourself one question is what needs to be done that hasn't been done? And so I literally asked myself this question for like 10 years and I couldn't find the answer. I spent a year in Italy and then I moved into Chicago for a boy named Dan. I ended up moving in with him, falling in love. You know, my friends call me Kat. He's Dan. So we had our little Hollywood hashtag called Catan. My parents, three years later after dating, we ended up meeting each other's parents and the future in-laws, you know, which is wishful thinking. And I was like, this was such an awesome meet and greet. It was the 4th of July, 2016. And I said, but we're missing something. We're missing Pisco. And I was like, holy shit, that's it. That is what's missing. That's what needs to be done that hasn't been done. Because we needed a Pisco Sour in that moment in my culture to celebrate this awesome, beautiful, beautiful, you know, experience of the future in-laws meeting. And we were missing Pisco. And I said, that's it. So on the way home, I looked at Dan and I said, this is the answer to my question. This is what needs to be done. We're going to bring Pisco and I'm going to bring Pisco to the USA. I'm going to name it Catan Pisco for our love story. And that means you better marry me. And <laughs> I ended up um, figuring it out, launched the business two years later, 2018, and we got married the same year. Now, is he, is he part of the company or is he not? He has nothing to do with it besides the A and the N and the name. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing. The N. Yep. And. Yep. Okay. So you come up with this great idea. Now what? Now, just because you have an idea, everybody has ideas. Everybody has dreams. It's quite one thing to have, okay, I think this could really work and to actually make it into a viable business. So what were the first couple of things that you did to make this a viable business? The first thing I did was I locked in an LLC because I wanted to make sure I locked in the idea. So I locked in the idea. I figured out 
how do I really become a business without even having a product? And I have friends that are lawyers. So like, oh, it's easy. Just become an LLC, whatever to start with. So I did that. I registered a month later, Catan Pisco and Company without knowing how I'm going to actually get Pisco. I ended up telling my family this crazy idea. I was really afraid to tell my dad. And I finally said, you know, mom, do you think this is crazy? And she said, Miha, the only crazy ideas are the ones that are thought up of, but never acted upon. And after she said that, I was like, I have to do this. I'm going to do this. And I looked at my dad. I was like, dad, what do you think? He's like, well, I knew you were going to do this eventually. So good luck kind of a thing. Right. And so I said, (laughs) but dad, how am I going to be in Chile and Chicago at the same time? Because Pisco can only be made legally. The denomination of origin of Pisco is only in two countries, Chile and Peru. And since I was born in Chile, naturally, my Pisco had to be coming from my country uh, of Chile. So I told my dad, how am I going to do this? Because I'm working and living full time in Chicago. He's like, why don't you call my brother? I said, I have an uncle. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding. This is true story. I said, I have an uncle. Apparently, when we moved to this country, we left family behind that I didn't know existed. I knew he had a sister, my, my aunt, right? Because we're very close. But apparently, my dad had this half brother that we never knew about. And so he's like, well, he just retired. Why don't you reach out to him? I was like, I have no idea who this man is. But yeah, I'll call him. If he's family, maybe he'll want to help. So I ended up calling this guy who coincidentally, his name is my father's name, which is also my grandfather's name, is Julio Gaete. They all had the same name. I was like, this is crazy. I call him. I was like, hi, Theo. I guess I'm your niece. And wondering if you wanted to help me with this business idea because I want to start a Pisco company. And he said, of course, of course, we're family. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So I was like, perfect. I found a vineyard. Can you drive four and a half hours? I'll pay for your gas. I'll pay for your hotel. Can you go take a meeting for me? And let's see if we can make this happen. I ended up calling a bunch of different distilleries and vineyards to see if there was, you know, anybody willing to work with not only a U.S. company, but a woman. Because in Chile, it's very machismo. It's very, very hard for women to gain the respect which I learned later on as my business started developing. So by him going, he said, yes, he went. And we were able to lock in my future partner with the distillery and the vineyard. And we started recipes. We started flying back and forth recipes. I knew exactly the vision that I wanted. I'm a big whiskey drinker with a really small budget, but I knew I wanted a Pisco that was appealing to the American consumer. But I also wanted it to be you know, have the actual like profile of a good Pisco, but I wanted it to be double distilled, translucent for it to look like a vodka for people that, you know, everybody here drinks vodka. I wanted it to be really inviting and I wanted it to be award-winning. So after two years of R&D, flying Pisco back and forth in airplanes, they kept getting it wrong. So I told Dan, we need to go to Chile. Finally came to Chile. I met my uncle for the first time ever in person after 30 something years. I had no idea, right? So now we've been working together. I got to meet my uncle. We ended up going to the vineyard. I ended up, you know, working with him on a recipe and I found a beautiful, beautiful recipe. And when we ended up launching, I submitted for a competition at the San Diego Spirits Festival. And out of 400 brands, my very first competition ever, out of 400 spirits, Catan Pisco won a double gold and best in show out of 400 brands. And that's how I knew I had a very discriminating palette, which is what I always thought I had. But after I won my very first competition, like best in show, I I literally cried. I didn't even cry when my kids were born. (laughs) That sounds really mean. But this was my first baby. And I was just 
you know, validity was just loud and clear that we have a beautiful spirit. And I'm just so proud that I was able to do this. And financially, I had to sell my condo, my first home in Long Beach on the ocean. I sold that and I had to invest in myself because that's another bit of advice that I got was if you don't invest in yourself first, why would anybody else? So if an entrepreneur really has an idea asking for money, why would anybody invest in you unless you invest in yourself first? And I figured it out and now have an award-winning product. And I'm just still really excited and passionate about it. You know? Not everybody knows what Pisco is. So can you point to a lot of people what that means? Yeah. Pisco is a hard alcohol distilled 100% from grapes. So think of a really high-end vodka or a really nice smooth tequila. If you've never had the flavor profile, I always tell people it's kind of like if vodka and tequila had a baby, maybe, because it's a little bit of both, but it's neither. It's 100% grape and it's 80 proof, so it's strong. And how is it different from wine? Wine is fermented and pisco is distilled, just like tequila or vodka or gin or whiskey or cognac. It's a hard, hard alcohol. All right. Tracy, you have some questions to ask Kat. Yeah, so we're just going to go female entrepreneur to female entrepreneur right now for the next few minutes. And you shared your amazing family story, which is just incredible. But what what I wanted to kind of unpack in all this is you had a family dynamic that was challenging for you to actually get into business. Then you had a family dynamic that's involved in running the business. And then also you are a female entrepreneur in a heavily male-dominated business category. So Can you highlight some of the challenges outside of those obvious ones that you have faced and how you've overcome not only the ones that I mentioned, but some we may not even know about as being a successful women entrepreneur? Yeah, I I had no idea what I was going to be facing because I never really thought about it, right? Like, yeah, I know I'm a woman, but I was just focused on the end result that once my journey as a woman in business started like unfolding, I was shocked at how hard it is and how disrespected I was along the way in so many different ways. The first example is I worked with Chile, right? Where I was born, very male-dominated, machismo country still in so many ways, definitely progressing. However, when I first flew to meet with a manufacturer for the bottle design, I um, was at a meeting with my uncle, of course, and there was a the gentleman, there was a gentleman holding his, like crossing his arms, leaning, not talking to me, talking to my uncle the entire time. He was talking to my uncle and said, who is she, the representative? And my uncle's like, no, that's the owner of the company. Like that's Catalina from Catan Pisco. And then he's like, oh, then he uncrossed his arms and then started slowly walking over to me and started talking to me. He did not talk to me once until he found out that I was the owner and I was the representative. And that's okay. But that is what people think of women when they walk into a room in this setting. Not only, you know, was that kind of like a culture, because I'm Chilena, I was born in this country, but I'm very Chilena. It was kind of a culture shock because here in the U.S., I feel automatically a little bit more respected as a woman, you know, business owner. But once I launched, you know, into the market, it, it turns out in Chile, I am the very first Chilean woman in history to own a Pisco company. So here I am doing this, not knowing why are people looking at me funny? Why do people not believe me? It turns out it had never been done before. And so it was shocking to them in a different way as well, right? Because I was born in Chile and I'm Chilena and 
Apparently, I had no idea Chilean women just don't do this, especially alcohol. And then you talk about the U.S. This is a really male-dominated industry, you know, across the world. So entering the U.S. market naturally is very challenging. I was approached at one point from an angel investor, and I ended up walking away from a lot of money because I had just delivered my first son. And towards the end of our deal, I spent, I mean, thousands of dollars on all of the legal paperwork. And we were going to convert the entity. He was ready to sign on. And he said to me at the very end, we were ready to sign, like two weeks away from signing everything. He comes back to me and he says, I want more of your business because it's unclear to me that you can work full time being a mom. (gasps) Oh, my God. And so I'm a woman. I wanted to start a family. I have dreams. And I also know who I am. And I also know that I can do this. And to be approached by an angel that was so excited about my product to the point where I was taken advantage of at the very last minute because I had just delivered a baby. I mean, talk about crying and <laughs> throwing things. And that was like a pivotal moment of this is, this is real. This white man had a lot of money and there's going to be a lot of white men with a lot of money. But my integrity was worth so much more. And I mean, Tracy, it, it was really hard to walk away from a lot of money because I needed it and I need it now, right? At the end of the day, I had to walk away because there is no way. I don't care how much money is going to be in front of my face. <laughs> By you saying that to me, no, I'm going to walk away from your capital and go, and go towards my integrity. And I mean, that was absolutely, I still get a little shaken when I tell that story because I, I can't believe it happened, you know? And that's oh, 100%. And you know, I think anytime integrity you lead with integrity, you always win. Even if it doesn't feel like a victory, the victory is ultimately on the other side of it. But it does give us a really good segue into talking about funding for your business because I know you shared previously that you had sold property and self-funded. Where are you now in terms of getting outside investors that are aligned with your mission and your values as a business owner? Yeah, I, you know, I went to friends and family and I ended up getting my mom and three friends to invest. And I wanted to continue going to my community because I feel like my friends and family are the ones that believe in me. And after that experience with the angel, I was like, there's got to be another way than going to VC or an angel. And there's got to be another way. And it turns out that there is. I'm currently doing a crowdfunding community raise with my community for people that truly believe in my product. You don't have to be an accredited investor. And the platform is called WeFunder. So I'm doing a a fundraising. I mean, it's micro-investment. as little as $250 to invest in my company. Before I go to a larger, you know, I might do an angel in the future, a larger institution. But I really wanted to give the people that believe in me an opportunity to own a piece of this because they're the ones that believe in me from the beginning. And a lot of them don't have a lot of money, but this is an opportunity for them to have a little bit of history. And once I'm done closing this round, I'm looking to raise 300000 And after that, I'm hoping to go bigger eventually as my business continues to scale. But yeah, I'm doing that right now because I feel like it was just the right thing to do. Okay. So when you're talking about the funding, which I think is, I think is so interesting, and I really appreciate what you're saying about based on your experience, especially like really tapping into your friends, your family, the people who really believe in you and support you and the micro investments. I think what a smart strategy and then taking you to the next level. 
You mentioned a target goal of 300K. Based on you getting that, because we know you will, and I'm sure there might even be some Ask Brian listeners right now who want to get involved in this. What is it that you plan to do with that investment? Where do you see you would put that level of capital into growing and scaling the business? Um, So I definitely need more support, right? So I am right now the only full-time employee and I need more sales support. And this industry is really hard. You need a distributor in every state. Every state has their own license. Every state has their own red tape. And it is a three-tier system. So it is a very challenging, challenging industry. So every single distributor that I have is a different distributor because the big guys like Southern or Breakthrough, Young's, R&DC in my industry do not want to bring me on yet because I'm too small. And so, however, like in California, a lot of restaurants and bars don't want to work with smaller distributors. And even though my piece goes delicious, they don't want to work with a distributor because they don't want to open up a new account to get a product. They only want to work with the big guys. But the big guys want more sales and the little guys want the product with the bigger distributor. So it's a catch-22. And it's really, really challenging. And without a larger distributor, you lack sales support in general. So I need more sales. It's the only way for me to be able to scale to get in front of a distributor that really believes in me and in the product. There's, uh, you know, Southern has a huge reach. They're like in 48 states out of the 50. And I'm only in a couple states right now. And I need sales support. So that'll help me with sales, marketing, and education. You talked about education being part of this show for Ask Brian with the E. Education is huge. No one knows what Pisco is. It's a beautiful spirit. And so the difference between, for example, vodka, vodka is distilled from potatoes or corn, essentially ethanol, gasoline. It is horrible for your body. Pisco is 100% grape. So it has like the literally genetic makeup of grapes, which has antioxidants. So it's the only hard alcohol that actually might be a little bit better to digest in your system. I have tested out for hangovers, have not had one yet ever with my brand. And it's gluten-free, carb-free. It's just a really beautiful alternative. And it has just so many beautiful notes compared to vodka, which has no flavor, which I get why people drink it, but it's so boring. So Pisco is just something that needs to, I think, really, really break open into the market. And it's really hard to get the education out there because I don't have money for marketing, right? So just to answer your question, sorry, that was a long answer, but it'll go to sell support hiring more sales and for marketing dollars and products and taxes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then basically what I'm hearing you say is there's a lot of health benefits to it. So if you're going to drink alcohol, choose an alcohol that actually adds to your physical makeup instead of takes away from it or compromises it. Yeah, it's one of the best spirits for your body is Pisco. And then do people drink it straight or do they mix it with other like fruit juices? I like to drink it neat, especially mine just on the rock. I also do like pisco teenies, like martinis to make it simple with vermouth. But pisco sours are the most typical in Chile, which is lime juice, egg white, and simple syrup, a little bit of bitters. But pisco palomas here in Chicago, they love pisco palomas. It's great for juice. So basically what you do with tequila, you can take it out and substitute with pisco. Anything you do with vodka, like a lemon drop martini, you can do it with pisco. It's it's super versatile. You can mix it. You can drink it neat. I even do Pisco Old Fashioned, which I absolutely love. And the cool thing about Chilean Pisco versus Peruvian Pisco is that in Chile, you can actually age your Pisco in barrels. So in Chile, you can have darker like Piscos that look more like cognac or whiskeys. 
And so my next queue is going to be a darker aged Pisco that we're going to be aging in French oak. And it's, we're going to be able to pair that with cigars and chocolate and drink it neat. So Pisco is super incredible. Yeah. So one quick thing I want to highlight before we get into the contact information is something you were sharing off the break, which around women entrepreneurship, and I don't want to steal your thunders, but I just think it's important for our audience to hear your perspective on supporting women entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, we're, we're so few and far between and we will never make it to where we need to go as women in this industry, unless people start becoming more conscious consumers in the industry. It's really, really hard. I think there's only one woman that has ever really hit a million in revenue recently for that has been funded too. But there's a big, big, big hole with women being able to even do this because funding is also very challenging, right? So if it's, if you're buying Tito's or Absolute or we're so habitual creatures that we don't stop to think what we're drinking, I really just would love for people to just kind of do a little bit more research about what they're drinking to help women and, and buy a different kind of vodka or explore with Pisco and just have women, you know, be in the forefront in this industry because, you know, we're drinking. People are drinking all the time. We're just used to drinking what we drink, but I think it's just really important to start doing a little bit more research to make a difference for women. Yeah, and just and just supporting women entrepreneurs wherever you can, for coming from two powerhouse women entrepreneurs giving you that message during this holiday season, especially. Okay, well, this, this show always goes by so quickly. You've been a phenomenal guest. I know people are going to want to continue the conversation with you. How can people get in touch with you? They can follow me on Instagram, super easy, at Catan Pisco, C-H-T-A-N-P as in Paul, I-S-C-O. Email me direct, Catalina at CatanPisco.com. Check out my website for sure. There's a lot of really fun press releases we just did and a lot, a lot of good recipes. Any contact submissions there go directly to me as well because I'm so small. So I answer everything. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. For those of you who might not be in a place to write any of that down, we've got you covered because the show notes of our podcast, which is the Ask Ryan podcast, has all of the contact information, resource links, website links, all of the things to connect back. And we want you to check out our podcast because if you've loved this episode of the Ask Brian radio show, you're going to love all the previous episodes of the podcast. And you can find that wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And that when we say everywhere, we mean iHeart, we mean Apple Podcasts, Spotify. So you can run, but you can't hide. Go find that podcast and download it. And Peter, I'm going to kick it back to you. Well, thanks, Grace. So, Kat, we had a couple questions, one of which is, you mentioned a lot of things today, and so I don't want you to repeat, we're not Groundhog Day. And so the question is, what was the biggest challenge in starting this business other than what you've mentioned so far? I think the biggest challenge that continues to be the biggest challenge is getting placements and getting into bars and restaurants that are willing to take a chance on Pisco because the biggest, biggest answer that I get every time I get a no is nobody knows about Pisco. Nobody asks about Pisco. So we don't want it on our menu. That is absolutely the biggest challenge is that people don't know. So bartenders won't even try to support and help us by educating. It is so challenging because people don't know what what it is. So people aren't asking. Yeah. So basically it's an education issue. And what is your process when you go from bars and restaurants, first of all, are you going into local bars? Or are you going to like chain bars at the top people? Where do you try to get your distribution going? Everywhere. We do, we're in Total Wine in California, not all of them. 
But what's so challenging about that state is there's no such thing as wet tastings. We have to do dry tastings and stores like total wine, but people want to taste it. So the only way to taste it is if we're on a bar, you know, menu at a bar. So we go into bars, restaurants, we're trying to taste with the managers, the decision makers, trying to see if they're interested. And sometimes they're like, oh, we love peace, so we want you, right? But to get to consumers, Illinois legally lets you do wet tastings. So here we're actually, we have a really nice push in what we call binnies. It's kind of like our total wine and more where we can actually taste consumers. They love it. They buy and then they become our, right now we have a lot of brand loyalty here with those consumers that have been able to taste. So that is our process. I mean, anywhere we can get, anywhere I can go. I have brand ambassadors. I have mom ambassadors, this new program for moms that want to help on the weekends do tastings, things like that to try to get more women involved as well. But I mean, you know, we're going to give it to whoever wants to taste it. We want everyone to taste it. So we're going to try to get to everyone. Well, you're talking about restaurants and bars, which is, hey, it's on the menu so I can order. But buying it is completely different to me, right? Unless yeah. you're talking about the restaurant and bar, bars at the wholesale level of buying the product from you. How are you going to get the Ralphs or, or somebody, you know, or, or even at those Total Wine stores, how are you going to get somebody, how are you going to get it on the shelf there? So we're in Total Wine. We're in, I think, about eight different Total Wines in California. So, like, if you go online, you can definitely find us. They, they'll ship to you. And the only way to continue to scale inside of Total Wine is people buy it more, right? And then they can put us in, in Huntington Beach or Costa Mesa or L.A. Like, there is not a huge demand yet. And so the only way for us to continue to grow is by creating that demand. We do sell online to different retailers following us on Instagram to get recipes, you know, it's really education, like you said, and whatever we can do to try to educate consumers about this, this is what we're doing, right? But there is a way to get your hands on, on not just my Pisco, there's other Piscos out there, but once you try mine, I guarantee you will not want to <laughs> want to try the other ones or you will go back because um, there's definitely other Piscos on the market that nobody knows about. If you were in a supermarket or Costco or whatever, I mean, obviously putting the drinking age aside, I mean, are, are those allowed in every state or only certain states that you can actually have tasting? I mean, there's wine tasting all, all around the world, but are you allowed to do that in those type of stores or that's not allowed? That's so, well, hard alcohol is a different percentage, like spirit. Wine and beer, you can actually do tastings in certain states and almost all the states. Like California, I always go back because that's where I was raised. And California allows you to do wine and beer tastings, but not spirit. So nobody can try my product. What we have to do is literally spray it in a cup so people can smell it. That's the only the only way for anybody to even get close to the Pisco experience in California. It's very hard because of all this red tape. But here in grocery stores, uh, everywhere in Illinois, you can taste it. And people love it and they buy it. All right. Well, thank you very much. You've been a great guest. We're going to have you back on later on, especially to show how you've grown. You listen to the S-Barn Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. You don't hear us next week. Thank you very much. Over and out. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit AskBrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's AskBrien.com.